0: and I had not seen each other for a while because he was working a lot although to be fair I had made it a plan to avoid him at all costs after about two months I was in one of the side rooms praying he was passing by and the doors opened when he saw me he entered the room he said with a lot of excitement I have some special news I'd like to share with you he pulled a chair so close to where I was seated. This is how he started, and he was looking directly into my eyes. I'm in love. I met someone special. Her name is Sarah. My heart was beating so fast and loud, I could hear it out of my chest. I think I was even shaking at this time. Ken asked me, Are you okay? I said, Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. He then, quickly pulled out a picture out of his pocket of the girl and he showed it to me. That's her, he said. You two share a name. I put on the biggest smile of relief I could pull off my lips. He asked, what do you think? I said she's really pretty. This time it was me smiling from ear to ear. To me it meant that what I had seen in the dream was just that, a dream. Ken and I resumed our healthy friendship. Although his relationship with Sarah didn't last long, he was quite upset about it. He came and talked to me and said, if Yabawala, meaning girls, is not for me, it's a lot of work and clearly, I'm not wired for that at this point. He said, I'm not going to do this ever. I will stick to my guitar, compose songs, do ministry. He did tell his mother the same thing, who was so amused by his statements. She laughed so hard about it. I went back to avoiding Ken and limiting the time we spent together. In my mind, if I avoided him, then what God had showed me could be canceled, diverted, or not happen at all. I stopped praying for a husband for a while because every time I prayed, I just got confused. For a number of mothers in our generation, matchmaking was a common thing. There was a beautiful young lady at university at the time who both Ken's mom and the girl's mom arranged or organized for Ken and the young lady to go on a date. This was like seven months after his breakup. Ken told me about the girl who he had known since they were kids. He wanted me to meet her. I did, and my goodness, she was a beauty to behold. They dated for about one and a half years. The young girl knew that Ken and I were very good friends. One day, on the 14th of February, Ken came to church, a bit confused. He asked me, Sarah, what's on the 14th of February? You see, he had gone to Macquarie University with his guitar to see his girlfriend. When he arrived. The girlfriend was shocked to see him with just his guitar and no flowers, no chocolate. All her friends had got chocolate and red roses from their boyfriends on the day. My dear Ken was clueless, his girlfriend told him. Ken, come back when you have found out what today is or what the 14th of February represents. I saw the innocence in Ken's eyes as he was narrating his experience at the university with his girlfriend and it dawned on me. My friend Ken was very saved as we used to call people who are innocent in love matters. Ken, it's Valentine's Day, it's lover's day. He asked, what is that? I told him, let's go to Daman Trust building. We got into a taxi and I explained to him on the way, to diamond trust we went to Aristok bookshop bought a valentine's card some chocolates then later on we went to a flower vendor at spear motors bought some flowers i said to him now take this to your girlfriend we parted and i went back to my home in Nintenda. my dear friend ken decided to send us stuff the following day through a friend because he had to go and minister somewhere. Ken, Ken, Ken. When it came to ministry, Ken would never give up on an opportunity to minister, regardless of when or where the location was. A crowd big or small, he was there. He was a man with his guitar. That was Ken. The very first Sunday, Ken started leading praise and worship in the main service at KPC it was evident that he was anointed to do this two songs into the praise and worship the presence of god was evident it was almost tangible i then noticed he was dressed exactly the same way i had seen him in the dream the statement i had heard from god rang again in my ears that's your husband Ken had been working with Kampala Playhouse for a while. This was the business part of KPC. There was a building team around the same time that came from Canada to Uganda to help with the renovations of the church building. This team was led by a gentleman called Brian Omissions. Ken, having graduated from college as a civil engineer, became Brian's protege and the two of them became great friends as well he talked to Brian a lot about his social life one day he introduced me to Brian as his best friend after I left the room Brian told Ken Ken you're wasting time dating other girls that's the girl you are going to marry Ken's response was no Brian I see her as my sister and nothing else Brian said mark my words I'll be at your wedding not many years from now Brian went back to Canada after the repairs of the church were done July 1994 the first ever Watoto children's choir left for Canada for ministry Ken and his sister Rita were part of this team Ken had also written one of the songs candle in the dark on that very first album When Brian was still in Uganda, he had encouraged Ken to go to Canada and further his studies in civil engineering. After the Watoto tour ended, Ken stayed with Brian in Canada for a while with the intention of enrolling for school. After a few months in Canada, Ken felt the timing wasn't right and there were a few things back home he needed to make right with the senior pastors. On his return to Uganda, Ken put together a band of 20 people. We started putting up gospel concerts for paying. This was a new concept in Uganda at the time, so the turn up wasn't good. We were all part of the Kampala Pentecostal Church choir. Among the people on the team were Julie, Susan and myself. When Ken organized the second concert, the turn up of the band members was so poor, the three of us as friends showed up. We didn't have great lead vocals. We were only backup singers from the church choir, but hey, we showed up, we were available, and God used us. One of the things I observed about Ken He did not use just capable people. He used available people. He would pick available people anytime over capable people who are not there. He introduced to the three of us new songs that he had composed. The first was, I'm in love. We sang it as a special song in the full Sunday services. And the response from the congregation was amazing. Julie sang soprano, Susan sang tenor, and I sang alto. Because Julie, Susan, and I were great friends, our voices became good friends as well, so our harmonies were on point, even if I must say so myself. We had tailor-made long black dresses, and we looked the pert. From then on, the group Ken and the Black Sisters was born This came about because we always wore black. We didn't have a group name. So people started referring to us, Ken and those girls who wear black dresses. The name Ken and the Black Sisters was now set in stone. As many people in my age bracket will remember, Ken and the Black Sisters was a gospel group that was very popular in the early nineties in Uganda. Rachel Adieri joined the group shortly after as the lead vocalist with Ken. We did some traveling as well to Nairobi and Rwanda, and boy do we have many interesting stories under our belts. One time during rehearsal, Ken came late and he told us before we started to sing, guys I have broken up with my girlfriend. He was a bit sad, but he still managed to put on a smile. After the rehearsal, we walked to the taxi park and Ken walked with me to my taxi station. He said, maybe this relationship stuff isn't for me. My heart went out to him because I felt that he had started believing what he was saying. This was not the Ken I knew for the first time he wasn't smiling. The main reason they had broken up was, Ken wasn't making time for her. He was always doing church things, his girlfriend told him. I did agree with her on this point, as I tried to imagine walking in her shoes, although I could understand where Ken was coming from as well. I found myself telling Ken, don't worry about that, you are who you are, and whether God has ordained for you to meet and marry They will be on the same path as you, because it is clearly God who called you to do this. God is preparing a wife for you who will support God's call on your life. He will give you a wife who gets what you are doing and she will love you for that. The relief on Ken's face after hearing what I had to say, the brother hugged me so tight and he said, Thank you Sarah, thank you so much. I needed to hear that. I feel so encouraged. We said our goodbyes and parted company. As the taxi drove away, my heart started racing. I was asking myself, what did you just say? Do you realize what you said? Can you believe what you just said? God, what just happened? Why did I say that to Ken? It looks like. And sounds like i was setting myself up this sounded very familiar to what the young pastor had prophesied over me i said god what do i do now how do i undo what i had told ken i remembered the three strong reasons why ken couldn't be my husband I knew it was God who had brought this back to my remembrance. The list I had made about three years ago was still in my home Bible. I got it out and looked at it. I had listed what I wanted in a man in order of priority. Ken had the first four. He was a man after God's own heart. He was a musician and a guitar player. He loved children. The only two on the list that he didn't have were, he wasn't six foot, he wasn't rich yet. The very kind of things on the list. I calmed down after rereading the list. I knelt beside my bed and prayed, Lord, if Ken is the man for me, teach me how to love him the way a wife is supposed to love her husband. As soon as I said Amen, there was a peace in me. And then joy started welling up in me. I immediately started thinking about all the nice things I knew about Ken, the friendship, ETC. I had actually known Ken for almost eight years and not just two years. I couldn't wait to tell my friend Janet at church. She loved so hard. And she told me that she had actually never stopped praying about Ken and I. Janet, being a straight shooter, said, Finally, God has knocked some sense into that stubborn mind of yours. Only Janet could tell me that and get away with it. I deliberated in my heart that I was never going to tell Ken about this. Join me in part five of God doesn't wear a watch.